read from a passage that I have preached from uh, often throughout the life of this church, and I felt directed of the Lord to revisit it uh, this morning. And then we're going to pray one more time for the sermon. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day, everyone say the seventh day. You shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass. When they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Everybody say, all the people. Look at somebody and say, not half of the people. Look at someone else say, not just the super spiritual people, but all the people. All the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now let me stop. I'm going to read two more verses, maybe three more verses, but let me stop and say... I believe there is precedent in Scripture from that verse right there that there are some things that only happen when everybody gets engaged. When everybody gets engaged. Uh, In the book of Acts, the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You've heard me say this before. That's one of my dreams. I am praying that before I die, God lets me see a meeting, a service, a revival, something where every person in the house is full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 6, Joshua the son of Nun called the priests, said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant, let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. He said to the people, proceed, march around the city, let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. One more verse, verse 20. The people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. I'd like you to take a moment and turn to someone and give them the most genuine compliment you have given anybody today. Would you do that? Turn to someone, just give them a genuine compliment. Amen. Amen. How many know there's power in your voice? Anybody know there's power in your voice? There's a blessing in your mouth today? Amen. I want to preach for just a few minutes on breakthrough has a voice. Everybody say, breakthrough has a voice. Amen. Let's pray, and I want you to help me pray for several things this sermon, yes, but I want you to pray the Simmons family. We're glad Victoria and Andre are back home. We've been praying for them in the loss of her brother. I want to pray for Brother Jim Bullard today that God will bring healing in his body. Brother Cliff Goble, his father, is gravely ill this morning. We want the Lord's grace to be upon that, and we all need the hand of the Lord to help us. Amen. Would you go to prayer with me right now? Let's bring these things to the Lord right now. Jesus, I thank you.
that you are well able to heal and you're well able to minister and you are going to anoint your word as it is declared. I pray that in the next few sacred moments you will allow your word to find a lodging place that will bring forth fruit, Lord. God, the power of your word is so awesome and I pray that that seed will find good ground today. Let healing touch come to Brother Jim Bullard. I pray your mighty grace would be upon the Goebel family right now, the Simmons family, the Hardin family. Lord, thank you that you are a strong tower that the righteous can run into and find safety. Hear our prayer this morning, Lord, and bless this church service in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and for following along in your Bible. The story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho was one of my earliest childhood Sunday school memories. This book of Joshua from whence we read this morning tells of three major military campaigns that consisted of over 30 enemy armies. The Lord spoke in Joshua chapter 1 and it had to be comforting to Joshua when the Lord said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. This book of the law, Joshua, do all, everything in it that is written and then you will have good success. I want to tell this great congregation this morning that there is something immensely reassuring when we know that God is going with us. Can I get a witness in this house? There is something immensely reassuring to know that where we walk, God is going before us. And what we face He's already there. Oh, I'm thankful that He is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. I'm thankful that He is Alpha, but He's also Omega. He's the beginning, but He's also the ending. He's the first, and He's the last. I'm thankful this morning that He's the one who is, but He is also the one who was, and He's the one that shall be. That is who's going before us. And so let me just say it like this. As I was with Bill Harden, so shall I be with you. As I was with Calvin Sager, so shall I be with you. As I was with Rick Lumpkins, so shall I be with you. Here's what the Lord said, Joshua, walk in their path. Joshua, take your steps after their example. And if you will do that, you will have good success. The biblical archaeologist Bryant Wood tells uh, his rendition, his discovery of Jericho's walls. And he portends that they were threefold in their defense, two massive stone walls ringing the city of Jericho some distance apart. Each wall perhaps six to eight feet thick and rising some 20 feet or more in the air. 
What made Jericho even more daunting, according to Bryant Wood, was an embankment which was sandwiched between the walls that slanted from the first wall at a steep incline up to the second wall. An embankment of such a distance and an embankment that made it virtually impossible to penetrate the barrier. And yet, verse 1 of Joshua chapter 6 declares that Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Now, I'm going to be very frank with you. Most of my young life, I flipped this script to make Jericho the ones that were feared. The Jerichoites, if you will, were the ones that were big and bad. The Jericho people, the ones who could race chariots around the top of their walls, they're the ones that everybody feared. And yet, the Bible says the exact opposite. Have you ever had the Bible mess up your theology? I read the Bible and it said Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. I believe the Holy Ghost prompted me to examine a minefield in the church today, and that is the minefield of perception. Everybody say perception. Perception, how we see ourselves in God's kingdom. In Joshua chapter 2, Joshua sends spies specifically to check out Jericho. They are protected, according to Scripture, in the safe haven of Rahab's house in Jericho. And here's what she declares to the spies that were in Jericho. And I quote, All the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above, and He is God on earth beneath. I want to tell New Life on a Sunday morning, I don't believe the devil fears us coming together and just patting each other on the back. I don't think the devil is the least bit intimidated by us just punching a time clock that we went to church on a Sunday morning. But if you and I, born again of water and spirit, ever understand who we are in Christ, it's going to put the devil on the run. He wants us to think we are a nobody. He wants us to shrink back in indifference. He wants us to be lethargic and lazy and apathetic. But oh, I wish there would be some people on a Sunday morning that would draw a line in the sand and square your shoulders and say, in my ability, I'm not strong, but I'm on his side. He is my God. He is my Lord. Come on, new life. I'm a child of God. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. See, the enemy of our souls fears if the church ever understands who we are in Christ. 
I'm not lobbying for arrogance right now, but I am asking some people to take an inventory of what you think about who you are. <laughs> Look at someone around you and say, you're something. You're something. That's kind of old-fashioned, isn't it? That's kind of hick right there. You're something. You know what? That's actually in the Bible. Did you ever see that in the Bible? You say, I don't remember reading that. You're really something. If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things, whew, I feel the Holy Ghost helping us today. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The psalmist said in Psalm 118, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Paul told the Romans, if God be for us, who can be against us? I am a child of the king. I am a child of God. Hell is quaking because I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. Somebody please hear me today. Morals obviously in our culture have been flipped upside down. In my lifetime, minority views have become majority views. And it would be easy to tuck our tail and get an inferiority complex, but I'm going to say it again, I'm a child of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Born of water and spirit, you're the bride of Christ. You're the body of Christ. You're the apple of his eye. I'm a child of God. Praise God. And then scripture lays it out for us when the Lord speaks to Joshua in verse 2 and says, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its kings and the mighty men of valor. Everybody say perception. Perception is so important when we have a perception, a healthy perception of who we are in Christ. But we also must have perspective. Because we can see things right here. But I want you to help somebody near you right now, and I want you to look at them. Say it kindly. Don't be mean. But look at them and say, God is not like you. He sees things differently than we see them. I, uh, I was driving down the highway years ago, and I, at that time, was driving a Ford Expedition. I had to get a big vehicle because it made me feel big. And, and so I had a big old Ford Expedition, and I was driving down the highway, and I was in a traffic jam. I was in the mother of all traffic jams. And so I decided I need to turn the radio on. I need to figure out what's going on. I turned the radio on, and they went to the traffic report guy. And he said... Boy, traffic's bad today. To which, I, have you ever talked to the radio in your car? To which I said, tell me something I don't know. He said, traffic's bad today. He said, in fact, from where I'm at right now, it is really bottlenecked up at McCain Boulevard. He said, I just passed it. I just drove past McCain Boulevard. And I got mad. Because I had taken the time to turn on the radio to get a traffic report. And the guy that gives me the report is driving in the same traffic jam I was in. 
How many of you know we can see things here? Everybody just take your hand and help me preach a little bit. See things here. But have you ever thought this? When we see things here, God sees things up here. The Bible says he sits on the circle of the earth. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. If God has ever shown up to a mama in this church and said, your son is coming back to me. Your son is going to be a prodigal that's going to get re If God has ever said that to you, understand, he's not looking at their life like you're looking at their life. He's not looking at all of their inconsistencies and backslidden. He sees things from a different perspective. He sees things that you and I do not see. He has a God perspective. He said, Joshua, I've given Jericho into you. You're standing on the outside of Jericho, but I already see the victory. I already see the victory. I already see the claiming of victory. I already see what you can't see. See, perspective is so important. We have to trust God's perspective. That's why it's amazing to me when the Lord speaks through his word and says, in the last days, saith God. Have you ever noticed this in Scripture? There are two places that the Bible says in the last days. Paul talks to Timothy about what's going to happen in the last days. And Joel prophesies about what's going to happen in the last days. And Peter actually quotes that in the day of Pentecost. But when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, In the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, disobedient, unthankful, and down the laundry list of negativity it goes. And how many of you know that is true? But did you know in that same Bible that you and I just read from, it also says, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy and your old men are going to dream dreams, and your young men are going to see visions. That tells me that from God's perspective, yes, He knows it's going to be stressful. He knows people are going to be walking away from Him. He knows people are going to be unthankful. But juxtaposed against that negativity is the promise that in the last days, He's going to pour it out. He's going to pour it out. He's going to pour it out. His perspective is His perspective. And I choose to believe, I choose to believe that he sees things that I do not see. Praise God. The world is primed for the greatest ingathering of souls that we could ever imagine. The world, though teetering on uncertainty, is hungry for a savior. And they're hungry for a change. And I choose to see God's perspective today. Amen. Verse 3. To those who were up against the wall, the children of Israel, the Lord said, You shall march around the city, all you men of war. Go around it once every day. 
On the seventh day, put your really good tennis shoes on because you're going to go walk in quite a ways on the seventh day. You're going to walk around the city seven times on the seventh day. Now, this is actually a little absurd just to our natural mind if you think about this, that anything positive, constructive, or especially supernatural could come by just simply walking. I won't go into this, but I take note in this passage that the men of war were told to walk. They were trained. They were fighters. They knew how to have mortal combat. And yet it was to those men that God said, just walk. Just walk. Just get up in the morning and start walking. Just get up in the morning. Put your tennis shoes on. Start walking. If you'll walk, I'll work. If you'll walk... I'll work. Now, I just want to do battle against a spirit that I think sometimes too often affects God's church. And that is the idea that supernatural things can only come when we feel supernatural emotion. I've told you the story before about praying for someone a few years ago here at the church. And uh, when, they got, when I got done praying, they went back to their seat the next morning. They called me and they said, Brother Gaddy, when you prayed for me yesterday morning... I felt absolutely nothing. Makes me feel like God's man of power for the hour right there. Then they went on to say, by the way, I went to the doctor and everything that was wrong yesterday is right today. Where's my dad? Pop, stand up just like Sorry, I'm going to use my dad. I haven't used my dad for a long time. Come here, Pop. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come on. <laughs> He's got this look on his face like, what is my son going to do to me right now? 91, we're just going to walk. We're 91 years old. I'm not pinning flowers on my dad. We've got some other people who served the Lord a long time, but I thank God for my dad. Thank God for my dad. So you know what I noticed? I'm 51 years old right now. You know what I noticed when I first started noticing? Because I didn't start noticing until I was about two, three years old. But I noticed when I started noticing is that my dad, he's not flashy. You know, you're not going to see my dad turning cartwheels up in the altar up here. You're not going to see my dad, you know, bumping off the chairs and swinging from lights and stuff like this. But you know what I don't notice, Brother Odo, about my dad is when I started being old enough to notice, I noticed he would just get up in the morning and he'd start just walking with God. He'd show up, he'd work all night long at Ford Motor Company on Saturday night, Sister Mary, and, and he'd get off about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, and he'd, he'd go home, shower, get a suit on, head to church, fight against sleep, fight against sleep. Some of y'all think, no, if you're spiritual, you won't fall asleep in church. No, I watched him fall asleep in church. <laughs> but you know what he made up in his mind a long time ago when the Lord saved him? I'm going to walk with him every single day. I'm not going to do it for emotion. I'm not going to do it for promotion. I'm not going to do it just so people can think I'm really a spiritual man. I've just made up in my mind. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm just going to get up on Monday and serve him. I'm going to get up on Tuesday and serve him. I'm going to get up on Wednesday and serve him. When, when revival's happening, I'm going to be walking with him, Brother Hughes. When things are a little bit dry, I'm going to be walking with him. I'm just making up in my mind. He's worthy of my faithfulness. He's worthy of what I could give him. And so I'm just going to walk with him. Just going to walk with him. 
And I have seen God work for 51 years supernaturally when someone decides I'm just going to plod along and walk for the Lord and minister to Him. I'm just going to walk with Jesus, walk with Jesus, walk with Jesus, walk with Jesus, walk with Jesus. Thank you, Pop. I love you. I feel like I've got a word for somebody today. You want someone to come up and lay their hand on you and speak a word? What about just getting up tomorrow morning and saying, I'm going to pray again today. I'm going to walk again today. I'm going to serve you again today. I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you. Sister Watkins, we're walking with the Lord. Brother Tom, we're walking with the Lord. We're Sister Karen, we're walking with the Lord. I don't know when he's going to work, but I know he's going to work. We're walking with the Lord. Walk with him. Come on, somebody help me praise the Lord right now. Just walk with him. Just walk with him. Just walk with him. I'm preaching to people, you know what it is to go to prayer perhaps and your mind wanders. Do I have anybody that will witness that right now? You go to, thank you, you just made me feel better right there. You go to prayer and your mind wanders. And you think, well, I'm here to pray and now I'm thinking about the stock market and Afghanistan and before you know it, you're thinking about everything except, you know why the enemy fights against our prayer life? Because that's how we walk with God. He doesn't fight against our jump. He fights against our walk. The curse that the Lord put upon the serpent in Genesis. He said, this one that comes from Eve is going to bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel. He will always fight against us walking with God. Because if he can separate us from walking with God, he's got the power. This is the first thing that sin affected in the garden was Adam and Eve and their walk with God. They were supposed to be close to him. And yet through their disobedience, it affected their walk. So much so that the Lord said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Everybody say walk. Now, here's why I preach this sermon. It's starting right now. So thank you for your kind attention in the introduction. But here's why I'm preaching this sermon. Because after, after they got perception about who they were, and after they began to see the perspective that God had for victory, and after they commenced to just walk in obedience, the Bible says that the last command involved their mouth. He said, I want seven priests to go before the ark. And I want them, the armed ones to go first, then the priests, and then the ark. In other words, the ones who would praise and show worship 
and example worship, I want you to go first. Then, following behind that, will be the three and a half cubit long, two and a half cubit wide, two and a half cubit wide, overlaid with gold, Ark of the Covenant that had Aaron's rod that budded in it, and manna. I mean, supernatural things were in the box. It was symbolic of the very presence of God. But I want you to notice the progression here. He said, I want you to make sure you get the priest with the trumpets of worship out front. They're going to lead the way. And when they go forward, the ark will follow behind. When they lead the way, all the supernatural stuff will follow behind. If the ones that are dedicated to exampling worship and pray, if we get them in the right place, everything about the ark, all the power, all the anointing, all the provision, all the miracles, it will follow naturally behind those who worship. This is why the scripture says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Now notice what the scripture doesn't say. It does not say, I was glad when I finally got in the house of the Lord. No, it says, I was glad when they said to me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. I just want to ask you a question. What do you think would happen? I'm just going to kind of go in the dream file here for just a minute. What do you think would happen if just half of us next Sunday morning, homecoming Sunday, would decide when we get in the car at the house just to start worshiping God? So, some of y'all are looking at me like a second head or something. So that there was no warm-up. There was no priming of the pump. But Brother Dave, when we hit the back door, we'd already been worshiping for 15 minutes. When we find in our seat, we're praising God. We're saying hi to one another, yes, but we're praising God. And we come into the house of God with a praise already on our lips. We engage our voice and say, Lord, you are great and you are greatly to be praised. I want to precede your presence with worship, adoration, and praise, and glory to your name. Oh, I want someone to hear me right now as I finish this sermon. Breakthrough has a voice. Breakthrough has a voice. What the enemy wants to do is to silence our voice from speaking faith and praise to the Lord. Oh, but if there'd be a mama in this house that would rise up on a Sunday morning and say, you know what, I haven't seen it come to pass yet, but I'm going to use my mouth to begin to confess praise to the Lord. And I'm going to say, Lord, I thank you for the breakthrough in advance. I thank you for that girl coming home. I thank you for the provision for my family. I thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the multicultural revival. I thank you, God. I let my voice out to you. Breakthrough has a voice.
I want you to stand with me right now. I'm not going to choreograph anything. I want someone to join me and just go to prayer right now. And I want you to use the strongest weapon you have right now. And that is the voice that God has gifted you with. Woo! That voice that God has gifted you with. There you go. Come on. Come on, I see some teenagers lifting up their voice right now. I see some men lifting up their voice right now. I see some ladies lifting up their voice right now. Come on, I see some people with insurmountable problems, but you've got a voice, and Breakthrough has that voice. Breakthrough has that voice. Come on, walk with him, but praise him. Walk with him, but use your voice to praise the Lord. Come on, that's it. That's it. Come on, new convert. You've got a powerful weapon right now. You've got a powerful weapon right now. It is our voice. It is our voice. It is our voice. I am speaking it over my family right now. I am speaking it over my children right now. I am speaking it by faith over my church right now, Lord. I am using my voice to praise you right now. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, I wish you would just step out in the aisle where you are right now with your voice lifted, with your hands lifted, with your heart lifted and say, God, I'm giving you my voice. I'm giving you my voice. Come on, mama, that's it. Breakthrough has a voice. Breakthrough has a voice today. Breakthrough has a voice today. Woo! Come on, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, when you hear the declared word of God, engage your voice, speaking faith over the situation. Come on, that's it. That's it. Come on, somebody, go ahead and use that weapon right now. Use that weapon right now. Use that weapon that God has given you right now. Use your voice, my brother. Use your voice, my sister. Use your voice. Woo, creative things can happen right now. Miraculous things can happen right now. Glorious things can happen right now. Yay! Halaboshatalabaha. Oh, we're giving you our voice, Lord. Come on, that's it. There's people having a breakthrough right now. There's people getting a breakthrough in their spirit right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo! Come on, I wish you'd just team up with somebody that's near you right now. I don't want you to petition God. I want you to praise God. Come on, I don't want you to beg God. I want you to thank God right now. <laughs> We're praising you, Lord. We're praising you, Lord. We're magnifying you, Jesus. 
We're glorifying your name, Lord. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. I speak over my son. I speak over my daughter. I speak over my marriage, Lord. I speak over my family right now. Breakthrough comes with a voice of faith. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, Nexus students. That's it. Come on, young adults. That's it. I've got a voice. I've got a voice. I've got a voice. I've got a voice. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, we're just going to stay in the presence of God right now. We're going to stay in the presence of God right now. He's doing some great things. He's doing some great things in our midst. He's doing some great things in our midst. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Come on, we're not coming begging. We're coming praising. We're coming worshiping. We're coming magnifying you, Lord. Hey, if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, I wish you'd just give voice to that spirit right now. Come on, just give voice to that spirit right now. Yes, yes, let healing come. Let deliverance come. Let power come. Let breakthrough come in this house. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Oh, I bless your name, Lord. I praise your name, Lord. I glorify your name, Jesus. Thank you, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh -huh. Woo! Yes. Yes, Lord. Hey! Halamushatalamahaya. We lift our voice to you, God. We lift our praise to you, Lord. We lift our spirit to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I think contextually that refers to forgiveness extended, if you read the context of that passage in Matthew. But I believe there is an application that is infinitely powerful that involves our mouth.
I'm talking about speaking as a child of God. How many know that when you begin to speak faith, you're not speaking in your own ability, you're speaking as a child of God? That God is going to back up what you're saying. So I felt to share this with you. And I think I'm going to post this to our Facebook page later today. I felt a quickening a few moments ago. Every day I pray this. God, I bind negative thoughts and confusion. I bind in Jesus' name the plan of the enemy to destroy me or my family's integrity. The enemy will not destroy me morally, doctrinally, or relationally. I bind that on every one of my family members. I bind strongholds in Cabot, Arkansas, in Lono County, in the state of Arkansas, and in global fields that would keep people from opening up to the gospel. I bind the spirit of fear. I bind in Jesus' name the spirit of hesitancy. I bind the spirit of the fear of man. And I bind in Jesus' name the spirit of insecurity and in its place I lose clarity of thought in every one of my family members I lose the revelation of Jesus Christ in every culture in America I am asking you Jesus to dispatch your angels to protect to minister and to comfort I lose kingdom finances over my family and over our church and I lose a spirit of trust one toward another one toward another folks I'm telling you I'm telling you I'm telling you today God is telling us there's a breakthrough in our voice when we come up against Jericho's walls realize who we are realize what he sees walk faithfully and then speak faith Speak faith. Speak faith. Let's thank God for speaking to us today. Come on, one more time before we go home. Can we thank God? Say, Lord, seal it in my spirit today. Seal it in my spirit today, God. Seal it in my spirit today, Lord. I thank you for it. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it. I want to sing that song, Brother Jason. Come on, let's lift our voice on our way out of here and sing to the Lord. My way through.